if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Well, can you believe that it is back to school time already? Today's episode is going to be helpful for those of you who have kids that struggle with that separation, going back to school, the new routine, all of those things. I am joined by Emily Hanlon from The Playful Psychologist, and we are talking about this topic specifically, separation anxiety and difficulty separating. So she explains the difference between those two terms, um, which I found really fascinating um, and definitely learned a lot from our chat. So Emily is a psychologist and um, she shares with us, you know, some of the things that we can do to prepare our kids for less separation difficulties, um, what parents can do in that morning routine to help, how we can help if our kids are experiencing that full-blown separation anxiety, which she explains more about, how we can deal with um, you know, the, the stress that these challenges have on us as parents. Um, and she shares some really great book recommendations and um, other resources as well. So it's a really fantastic chat. Um, she's very down to earth and I got a lot out of this chat as I'm sure you will as well. I hope you enjoy it. 
Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, Emily. It's so happy. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks. I'm excited to be here and have a little chat. Yes, I think this chat is going is very timely, obviously, at this time yeah. of the year. We're we're focusing on separation anxiety and separation difficulties. Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, can you share a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Yeah, sure. So my name's Emily, obviously. Um, I'm a child and adolescent clinical psychologist. So I work in clinic. Um, At the moment, I'm more focusing on assessments with my clinical work. Um, But I also run a business, I guess, called The Playful Psychologist. So under that, I create and share resources for teachers, parents, um, therapists to use with kids. I I have my own podcast on there, which I haven't actually done anything within a while. And I also supervise new psychologists, um, you know, that are up and coming and, and need a little bit of guidance in that area. And I just, I came to be in this career because my younger brother, who's five years younger than me, um, was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum when I was quite young and he was obviously young too. And it just opened my eyes to like, what a difference allied health professionals can make. Um, And so I've known for a very, very long time that I was going to work in this field. It was just a matter of where. And I just, I don't know, I just love being creative and sharing ideas with other people. That's amazing. And it's often those personal experiences that we have that lead us into these types of careers. Yeah, it it is, isn't it? Everyone's got a bit of a backstory, I reckon. It's kind of cool. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, So it is almost back to school time um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, around that time for parents and separation anxiety can be a big challenge for for families at this time. Um, I've heard you talk about, you know, separation anxiety and and difficulty separating and the difference between those on social. So can you just tell our audience more? Yeah, sure. So this is like this, just cut me off if you need to, because this is something I could talk about <laughs> for literally a year. But I think it's so important because I feel like it with my if I didn't have the background I had. I, I think I would have fallen into the trap of thinking that my own son has separation anxiety because he does have a little bit of difficulty separating. But starting school is just such a huge milestone for children, whether that be daycare or, you know, big school. And many kids find that transition really difficult. You may see your kids experience tears that drop off for days or even weeks, and that can lead so many parents to worry that their child is experiencing separation anxiety. But while that can, of course, be really stressful for parents. I think it's really important to understand that there's a huge distinction between separation anxiety and difficulty separating. So if you break it down, separation anxiety is a clinical mental health diagnosis that's given to a child when they become excessively anxious, when they're separated from their parents in any setting, not just school. It could be drop off to a friend's house, drop off to, um, you know, Nana's house. It could be leaving one parent leaving to go to the shops and remaining with the other parent. It could be any of those things. So it's not just school related drop off. Um, and children who have a diagnosis of separation anxiety can't think about anything but the fear and the anxiety that that separation is causing them. So they may have nightmares, difficulty sleeping due to fear of having to separate the next day and fear about school drop-off and other physical complaints may um, arise too, so tummies, headaches, and they may be really reluctant to go to school or really reluctant to want to go to a friend's house on a play date or anything like that. And that, you know, may even lead to some school refusal. So 
When a child has separation anxiety, their anxiety levels are so elevated that they find it really, really hard to regulate their emotions throughout the day. And it may take away from the enjoyment of their new school environment for the whole day that they're there and that they're away from you. So because they're so preoccupied with their anxiety, they may experience learning problems because they have difficulty concentrating. They may be misdiagnosed as having ADHD. Um, and the anxiety doesn't subside throughout the day, really until their caregiver kind of picks them up. He's back school. with them. Yeah. Mm. Um, on the contrary, um, there's, you know, there is a level, I guess there's no clinical term for it, but like there is a level of appropriate clinginess, especially when kids are transitioning and doing such a big transition to big school. So many children do have a little bit of separa uh, difficulty separating from, you know, parents in the morning or their caregivers in the morning. They may cry out and call after them and there may be tears. But once their caregiver is gone, and they've had a few minutes with a trusted adult, like their new teacher, they're able to regulate their emotions and they're able to engage with their peers, engage in learning, and more importantly, enjoy their day. So it's important to remember that difficulty separating are common and very normal, and they're actually a bit of an indicator of having a really nice secure attachment <laughs> with mm. you as a caregiver. So it's important to not over-pathologize yes. those normal behaviors, normal but stressful for parents mm. by confusing them with separation anxiety. Yeah. And I think that term, you know, separation anxiety is definitely thrown around too often, right? I've been guilty of that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> talking about, about my daughter having separation anxiety when, when, yeah, I think about it, it's more that difficulty separating. And it makes sense, you know, when teachers say, just go. I remember that when my son started killing. Like, what? <laughs> go. It's like, what? Go and leave yeah. me like this. Um, but yeah, so often they're fine once parents have gone because it is more of that difficulty separating. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for explaining that to us. So how can we prepare our kids for less separation difficulties as they start school or even head back to school after the long summer break? You know, even when kids have been at school for multiple years, it can still be a tricky time, hey? Yeah, 100%. I think anytime there's like a disruption in the routine, getting back into the swing of things, it can always be a little bit challenging, especially for kids. Like my little one is like that. Um, he'll have like an awesome few weeks. We'll go on holidays and then it all turns to crap when we get back and I feel yeah. like we're starting from square one. So um, I don't necessarily think there's a specific way, of course, that you can prepare every kid because every little one is so different. But I think if you do anticipate that your little one is going to have a little bit of difficulty separating, just try and do as much preparation as possible. So if they're anxious, I would ask for permission to do some extra transition days or even just school visits where you can walk around, check out the playground, check out where their classroom is going to be, all those sorts of things, especially if we're talking about specifically kids starting kindergarten. They typically have like their own little section of the school and some schools even have their own like kindergarten only playground so just going and like having a look around those areas getting a vibe of where the bathrooms are where the bags go all that sort of stuff and nine times out of ten schools are more than willing to like let you have a little school visit especially if it's you know before school or at school pickup when it's a little bit chaotic anyway um and there are parents around also just make sure that you keep that line of communication open with the school um 
and talk about the school a lot with with your child. So um, maybe you can make a little bit of a book together with some photos of the school that you've grabbed off the internet and maybe you can ask whether there's a photo of the teacher that, you know, a headshot from one of the yearbooks, you can pop in that book so that um, they can start familiarising themselves with the environment, the uniform as well and um, that sort of thing. But I also think it's important to be mindful of skills that we assume children have when they're about to start school that they may not have. So a lot of the time kids have never had to, for example, independently open a lunchbox by themselves. So making sure that if they need, they know how to pull up their undies after they've done a wee, they know how to pop their shoes on if they have to take them off for whatever reason. They know how to, they're comfortable and confident undoing the latch of their lunchbox, opening their drink bottle, all those little things that can contribute to a little bit of school anxiety. Um, not introducing new foods in the lunchbox, just all those really little things that I think sometimes we just as adults take for granted because we've forgotten what it is like. You know, it's been so long since we started school. Definitely. And like what I'm hearing with all of that is it's like just getting our kids familiar with those things they're going to need to do, the environment they're going to be in, you know, the face of their teacher, all of those things. Because that, and and yeah, that's such a good point about you know, lunchbox foods. Don't get fancy and start packing these. Oh my god, that'll you know? be me, hundred like, percent. Yeah. I will not listen to my own advice. <laughs> yeah, just give them that lunch that they would have had it at home. Like that familiarity is going to be so helpful. Yeah, um, I think as well. It's about like obviously you want to paint school in a positive light, but you don't want to sugarcoat it to a point where kids like we almost set them up for failure. Like they think school's going to be this epic thing and nothing's ever going to go wrong. And then they get there and something doesn't quite go to plan or they are a little bit anxious. Then, you know, they did have a little bit more difficulty separating than we thought they would. And then they're like, this isn't what mum told me it was going to be like. So there are a couple of like, there's obviously so many beautiful books on the market that you can buy. Um, around starting school my two favorites are the invisible string so that one's not necessarily um a starting school book it's just about basic basically the message is that when you're not with someone there's an invisible string that connects you to them so I think that's a really beautiful way to just kind of keep that communication and connection open with kids when they're not with you especially if your little one you know wasn't in daycare or only went to daycare a couple of times a week that can be really tricky um, for them as well and then another school specific book that I really love is um, Ready for School by My Big Moments and they um, that book is awesome because you can personalize it with your child's name and some of their features like their hair color eye color that sort of thing and why I love that one is it doesn't sugarcoat it. It obviously talks about all the beautiful things that school is and how fun it can be, but it also talks about how tricky it can be in some aspects as well. Yes, I love that. And we're going to be sharing a, a discount code that you've organised for our listeners for for that book and other books that um, my big moments do. Yeah, yeah, I love that because you hear so many parents and I was probably the same. I mean, my kids are older now, so I feel like that was, I mean, that we, we've gone through the whole starting high school thing, which yeah. is just scary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that the parents saying, oh, you're going to meet so many friends when you get to school and then they get to school and they don't and then, yeah it's not meeting their expectations so that's such a uh, such a good point mm. um 
Okay. And so what about, is, is there anything that you would recommend like parents can do in their morning routine to help if we know that our kids are going to have these difficulties? Particularly? Absolutely. So I think the key is to keep it simple. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, especially if you've got multiple kids, but laying out uniforms the day before, packing bags the day before, having a calm activity ready for the morning if if they need it, if that's the type of little one that you've got, um, having a fuss free breakfast, a breakfast that you know you don't have to fight them on. Save the fancy breakfast for the weekends. If they just want a piece of toast and a banana, give them a piece of toast and a banana. Mm. Just making sure they've got something in their bellies that'll see them through. The really awesome thing now about school is they have their brain break or their fruit break or whatever the schools are calling it and they and then they have resource recess very shortly after. So the school, your, your child's not going to go hungry if they don't have a huge breakfast. Keep it anxiety-free. Um, listen to favourite songs in the car and if you're anticipating anxiety, have a plan, speak to the school beforehand and talk about what that may look like. A lot of schools, um, you know, it's not their first rodeo. They've dealt with a bit of school refusal or anxiety in the past and they have really awesome plans where um, the child can be dropped off a little bit earlier to the school office and they can be the office helper and then there's like, and then the teacher picks them up from the office or an office lady takes them to class and that sort of thing. Like it looks different for every school, but don't feel like there's not there's no options available to you. There are. So it's just about, again, opening that communication um, with the school. But I think the most the most difficult thing we can do, but the most important is I think as parents, we just want to like obviously take pain away from kids, whether that's physical or emotional pain. And I think a lot of the time if a child is like, I'm so nervous about going to school or I don't want to go to school, mummy. I just want to stay with you. It's our instinct to go, you're going to have so much fun. It's going to be fine. You're going to love it. Whereas I think a lot of the times in those situations, kids aren't necessarily looking for a solution from us. They just want, uh, they just want a soundboard. They just want to talk to them, talk to us. So instead of accidentally shutting them down with you'll be fine, it'll be fine, acknowledge those feelings and really empathize with them. I'm hearing that you, really nervous about going to school today. Oh, that must, you know, make your tummy feel a little bit funny when mummy's nervous, her tummy feels a little bit funny. Is there something in particular you're nervous about? And just opening that conversation and and not shying away from those feelings because sometimes I think we get caught in the trap of thinking if we start opening that conversation, it opens up a can of worms. Yeah. But often it's like they just need to get it out. They don't need a solution from us. They just need to word vomit it out and then they can move on. Yes, I love that. And I personally have found that so helpful like in mm. lots of aspects of parenting. Oh, yeah. The kids. So hard not to jump to a, you'll be fine or, you know, or giving them, them a solution. But just, yeah, listening and reiterating what they're saying. I love that. Um, okay, so what if our ch- what if our child is experienced, you know, the full-blown separation anxiety? What would you recommend? Where can we turn for support and help? Mm. So I think if you're starting to notice those signs of more so separation anxiety, like they're dysregulated when you pick them up, um, maybe they're saying that they're sitting by themselves because they're so nervous at lunchtime. They're complaining of like physical complaints before school. They're having difficulty falling asleep, all those sorts of things. Um, I would approach a school number one and ask for some feedback on behavior and, and see whether that matches how you know your child typically 
behaves at home. And then I would, I always say, if you're concerned that your child may be experiencing any sort of mental health concern or developmental concern, it can literally never hurt to engage the services of an allied health professional, a psychologist, OT, whoever that may be. Um, and I, I think it's important to do so just to get down to the bottom of what is going on and, and getting some really practical solutions. And then the psychologist can work with the school and vice versa to make a really beautiful individualized plan for your child. So don't be afraid to ask for help if you think that help is necessary. So true. And the waiting lists for child psychologists are so long. So it's better to kind of get an appointment and get on that list. Exactly. Um, There's no, like 99% of places don't charge you for being on their wait list. So you may as well jump on a few and then cancel them if you need them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Definitely. And often counselors can be much easier to get into. And me personally, like I found my daughter connected so much better to counsellor we saw than a psychologist that we saw. So don't rule out, you know, counsellors either. No, absolutely not. And a lot of schools now have counsellors on site. So even approaching them and and if there's a wait list there, again, jumping on that wait list. Yeah. Yeah. So getting in early, don't wait. Like you said, there's no harm in in getting support. Exactly. Okay. Um, and what about for mums and dads? So I know firsthand how like emotionally challenging it is uh, dealing with a child that has separation difficulties. I was in tears in the school office multiple times because yeah. my daughter was refusing to get out of the car and, you know, not knowing what to do. So do you have any tips? for mums and dads on coping with these challenges themselves? I think a lot of the time it can feel really daunting to like organise a meeting with the school, right? Like it can feel like this almost this like taboo thing where you're like, oh my God, I don't want to like single my child out or I don't want to almost admit that there's something going on, but like I know this is the right thing to do. So kind of just like collecting your thoughts, gathering what you want to say and booking that meeting and going like, these are the points I want to raise and maybe even emailing them to the school beforehand so that they're prepared for the meeting as well. Like not necessarily going in and everyone starting from scratch because often all that groundwork can be done via email. And then when you get in there, you're not necessarily wasting time going through those points because you've already Mm. had a chance to inform the school of what your specific concerns are. Um, If you do happen to already have a psychologist on your team, ask them to go to the meeting with you. You know, that can't hurt either. A lot of the time, um, those meetings can feel a little bit daunting because you go in as one parent or two parents and then there's like the school counsellor, the school principal, the school teacher, and you're like, oh, my God, am I in trouble? (laughs) You you feel like you're at an interview or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, don't be afraid to take your own support person Mm. if you feel it necessary. But my biggest tip is just, again, like I know I sound a a bit like a broken record, but just don't be afraid to seek help and reach out to the school or reach out to your own psychologist if you think that your mental health is is buckling because you know I'm sure I'm not the only one here but when I see my child struggling my mental health tends to waver as well and that's a big indication for me that I might need some support and again there is absolutely no harm in that if anything it's one of the best things you can do for yourself and your parenting. Definitely. Yes, I I totally agree. And just even chatting to other parents, sometimes you feel like you're in it 
like you're the only one who has this child that's struggling to go to the sleepover or getting to school or whatever, but it's so common. And when yeah. you get talking to other parents, you realize like, yeah, just, just that kind of shit. Absolutely. It's, it's just, I just feel like it's that whole way through parenting, right? Like when your child is little, like an infant or a toddler, no one wants to talk about their child being the one that doesn't sleep because yes. God forbid you're the parent that admits to not having a child that sleeps through the night. Like it's the same thing. Like I think the more, like I'll never forget the first few months of being a mum. people would be like, hey, how are you? Or I'd say to a friend who I knew was a mum as well, I'd be like, hey, how are you? And they'd be like, really good. How are you? And I'd be like, pretty shitty actually (laughs) like I've had a really rough week of panting and they'd go oh my god me too and I'm like let's normalize that like let's normalize um being open about what our children are going through because one of the best ways to learn is through the experiences of others and if you talk about it you'll probably learn a lot more from those mums that might be one little step in front of you or empathize with you because they're at the same point in their journey as you and that can feel so so comforting so true and like so many of us just you know our automatic response is yeah I'm good thanks yeah you know, we put on this brave face and yeah. Then, yeah as soon as someone else admits that they're struggling then it allows us to so for anyone listening yes for anyone listening be that one that admits you know that that you're struggling and open that conversation because very rarely will that end end with like oh well um you know i i'm doing perfectly yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got no issues in yeah and, and you know what if someone says that to you delete their number they're lying yes. they're lying straight to your face <laughs> They're not a good friend to have, no, definitely. And, and I know, like, you know, you can feel, it's like the sleep thing. You can feel like a bit of a failure as a parent. Like, why, you know, why is my child not that, you know, resilient, outgoing one that doesn't struggle with, you know, the, these social activities or going to school? Um, yeah, so we really need to, like you said, normalise these conversations because it's, you know, it's got nothing to do with with our parenting, um, you know, yeah, and how successful that is. Yeah, because you can have one child that just, like, doesn't bat an eyelid when you drop them off somewhere. Like, you could, like, like literally drop them off in the middle of nowhere and they'd be like, see you. And then you have another child that really, really struggles with those yeah. same parents. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily a parenting issue. And I think we need to be aware of that. Like these separation anxiety fears, sure, sometimes there may be an element of like their strategies that parents can utilize to make it easier for their children. But a lot of the time it it doesn't have anything to do with your core parenting. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, so is there anything else you would like to add um, or share with our audience? Um, I just I just really want to reiterate the message that if your child is struggling, whether it's difficulty separating or separation anxiety, that like you're not alone and there are supports and services out there, reach out to the school, reach out to a psychologist in your area. Um, I know psychologists, waitlist, like we mentioned before, are just insane at the moment. On my... Um, Instagram page, I have a highlight reel where I I update it like every few months and I ask psychologists who have no current wait list um, Australia-wide to drop their details and I save them to a highlight reel and then I delete it every few months and redo it again. So if you are looking for a psychologist with minimal wait times, please check out that reel, um, highlight reel as well, because you might find someone in your area might just get lucky. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you. Um, And so where can listeners find out more about you and what you do? And also, can you share more about the the discount code that you've organized for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on 
all the social media platforms, but most active on Instagram. Um, and that is just at the playful psychologist. And then I have a website as well, where I share like lots of free resources via my blog. Um, there's online courses, there's an online store, uh, workshops, all of that, a members library. And my website is www.theplayfulpsychologist.com. Um, and then the discount code for my big moments. And my big moments is basically um, this female run business. Um, they're awesome. They create books on the big moments that children go through in life. So they've got one on the death of a pet, um, first hospital trip, uh, their sib- a sibling being born, which I bought for my little one, um, uh, starting school, a resilience book. They're just beautiful. And they really kindly um, offered us a 15% discount code for listeners. And um, that discount code is my big moment. So you can follow them on Instagram or check out their website. Um, and yeah, have a little bit of a shop and get a little bit of a discount on any resources that you may need. Oh, so helpful. And thank you so much for organizing that for us. And we'll make sure all the links of your Instagram, which I love, you share some really fun, (laughs) but helpful um, resources on there. Your website and the the big moments and the discount code are all in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find those links easily, head on over to the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me for this chat today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's awesome. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health. And I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kid's Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.